Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, the voice of the construction industry throughout Pennsylvania. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien. Hello, and welcome to the Building PA Podcast. I am co-host John O'Brien from the Keystone Contractors Association, and it's field, field trip day. We find ourselves in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, at the offices of Novengers, and I'm not traveling alone on this field trip, joined as always by podcast co-host Chris Martin. Chris, what's up? Hey, John. Hey. It is a good road <laughs> trip, isn't it? You thought I was going to start screaming and yelling just the way yeah, I have my arms yeah, up there. Sorry. Excited. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody. This is Chris Martin. I am with Atlas Marketing, and you can find us at atlasstories.com. And, and we are talking, like John said, we're on a road trip, and I have found this to be probably one of our best road trips thus far in our podcasting history. Just from the history and yeah. and the, the the great stories and and just seeing different forms of construction. So this has been fantastic. It's been a great day. What do you think? This has been an amazing day. Awesome yeah. day in the shop, checking out the panels and everything. And and we're gonna bring it home with a great interview now. The owner of Novinger, Jim Novinger. Jim, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Yeah. Here's a good story for you. A month ago, Chris and I were staying at a hotel, different rooms. We were staying at a hotel in Glassboro, New Jersey. <laughs> different rooms. Let's. <laughs> this was in uh, on the campus of Rowan University. Okay. And and as as we're getting in our car, it's you know I'm like oh before we leave I was like you see that building across the street see those panels. Those are the type of panels that we're going to talk about at Novengers. And then we come here, we walk down the hallway, and there's the picture of the building. I have no idea that was, that was you. It came from here. It came from Harrisburg. Small world. <laughs> it did. It did. Yeah. Interesting. Really cool stuff. Yeah. That's an unusual building. It's actually in the shape of an, a uh, question mark. It's curved almost throughout the entire building. And those panels were not corded they're not straight panels that look like they're circular there's the slightest radius to every one of those panels hmm. that's amazing yeah never would have never would have known that had i not had this chance to talk to you we don't think anybody would have but that's what somebody wanted <laughs> those architects <laughs> <laughs> well we try to make them happy yes, yes. just in case any are listening yes. absolutely yes. all the time we love them yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we're here, we're talking exterior panels. Um, do you want to give us a little history on your experience with panels? And maybe the history of Novengers would be a good way to set the stage and then, and then we can jump into the panels. Well, the history of Novengers goes back to the 1920s when my grandfather started doing the same kind of work we do today, but certainly not with any panels. Panelization didn't take place until the 1970s. So we've been in panels for over 40 years. The uh, evolution of panels is just to take those things that we build with and prefabricate them and put them up as units rather than single pieces of material. Mm -hmm. It's worked fairly well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Uh, we saw it firsthand at Rowan. So yeah, we did. You know, we, we know. And here. So and it's even better. And Rowan was 2015. Okay. So that's been a few years ago now. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. And then we walk around the shop and we see projects for Arizona DOT. So you're kind of touching from New Jersey to Arizona. So it's, it's crazy your reach. It's, it's, it's impressive. 
the road panels have yeah. come a long way and are not going to stop. Uh, they want to control sound on roads, and we have a couple of DOTs that we work with, and Arizona's one of them. Nice. Nice. And it's great because not only are you doing things locally, but you're doing it across the country. So what, what type of strains, probably the wrong word I'm bringing that up because that's the only thing that comes to my mind, but what are some of those challenges working, you know, here in Harrisburg and having a project that you have to install, or maybe you're not installing it, but in Arizona or New Jersey or, you know, having some distance between here and the, and the project itself? We probably would not try to do a uh, road panel job in New Jersey. We would, or a uh, house or home panel project in New Jersey. I'm sorry, in uh, New Mexico or Arizona. Road panels, someone else installs. Okay, all right. And without having to do that installation, that makes it a whole lot easier. We put them on a truck and away they go. There you go. That's good. That makes sense. So what, what kind of got you into this, into this panel business? I don't remember exactly why we did the first job. It was about using a John's Manville product and getting the work done quicker, and panelization just made the most sense. Uh, we took the steel studs, which we would have had to do in the field, and the exterior finish material, which we would have done in the field and had done for years, and put them together in the shop and shipped them up there in trucks and away it went. And that first project was? It was when we was Port Pennsylvania. It was for a YMCA. Hmm. I haven't been up there for a long time, but I hope it's still there. <laughs> Maybe that's <laughs> of our, course next, it is. our next field trip. Th- there we go, road trip, road trip, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, so since that time, and you said it was in the 70s till today, has there been a lot of change in prefabrication, panelization? Yes, a lot of change. Back in those days, there wasn't a whole lot of engineering. The only thing that I really remember was that we had wind loads to deal with. You had to have a panel and a steel stud that would require some engineering for wind loads. And you still do that, but they've added a lot of things, uh, slip fasteners and it just has grown there are wall consultants now and and those are all good things but it's gotten a whole lot more involved and sometimes more complicated than you would think it needs to be i can imagine with a wall consultant it would get a lot complicated yeah (laughs) i always tell people that wall consultants are good to have on your team but they should be involved from day one if you bring them on early and let them help be a part of the design team, you'll get what they want right away. If you bring them on after the fact, you have a good chance of not having all the things that they want. Mm-hmm. So if, you, if you're a believer that wall consultants are important to your program, and I'm not suggesting they're not, they should be important to it from day one, yeah. not from the end of the project. Yeah, yeah. A little cart before the horse there type of yeah. thing. It happens more than you can imagine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. During those early days, what were what were some of the early concerns or, or hesitations? Was it just something new that people, because it's new, they, they challenge it or they question it? Or I think the architects had more say in the old days, if you want to go back that way. They would get with you and, and talk about what you could do and 
they became part of the design team much earlier on. If the architect liked it, it was going to get done. So the architects like today are still kind of the key, right? But the architects today seem like they're more restricted. I don't think that they are as able or free to do as much as they were then. And maybe because they get a smaller piece of the pie. Uh, You have construction managers and you have other people who are trying to be part of the development team and there's only so much money to go around. The architect may be someone who's second in command rather than the leader. Mm -hmm. And when they were the leader, they had more say. I'm not saying that that was right or wrong, but it certainly seemed to work well then, and it doesn't have as much of a chance to do that today. The industry has changed, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so where you were with prefabrication, and where do you see it going? I think that more and more owners want to have a shorter construction cycle and having prefabrication is a great way to do that. If they bring the program in at the beginning of the project, and they call that design assist now, mm-hmm. if they start to think about that day one and they have an intent to prefabricate, it's going to go quicker. Yeah. yeah. And time is money. Just looking over the hallways and, and all the pictures you have hanging up, I see a lot of private colleges. I see a lot of healthcare projects. I didn't really notice that many public construction projects. Is that is that a correct statement? It seems like more of your work is private for these panels. I think that's true. Yeah. And the dormitories and those private uh, projects, they are put together by developers mm-hmm. who want to get them up in a certain time frame. They, they build them and then they rent the uh, dorms back out to students. Yeah. They're not owned by the colleges. I don't think we have one of them that is actually college owned. Okay. I think they're all developers. So schedule plays a large part in it. Sounds like there's no urgency with government. <laughs> well, they, they are concerned about the schedule. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I see you're sitting in for the listeners that he has a listing of all the projects that have always have come through through the company. So top one, two, three projects in your memory from that list. Ooh, which ooh. one that well, there's a few hundred projects here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that when we started doing some seriously big jobs, we were Atlantic City when it was coming off its boom. And we had a twin tower that was 36 stories of condominium complex down there. Okay. And that was interesting. The, uh, the wind always seemed to be blowing when you were picking up the panels. <laughs> and some of these panels were fairly big. Yeah. Um, so that was something that was memorable. Um, back in the early day, we did panels for Pantry Pride. That was a uh-huh. division of another food chain, and I don't remember that name right now, but they wanted a panel on the front of their building that looked like food. And they did the whole facade, and they're all gone now, but they were very art-oriented kinds of panels. 
uh, when, when you would stand there and look at them on the floor, you really couldn't make out what they were. But when that went up on the wall and you got back 20, 30 feet from it, it was exactly what they wanted. Hmm. It was artsy, I guess is what you could say. And then there just have been so many other ones. Um, I really couldn't pick out too many. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. But let, let me ask you a question about that, the, the pantry pride one. Is that like, so that's like a stamping process or is that a more of a, like a forming process? Well, a lot of the panels we fabricate are with a product called Drive It, one of the mm-hmm. foam backup right. mm-hmm. systems, right. and we could carve that foam. Okay. So we carved the foam. Nowadays, they use carved foam for all kinds of things. Cornice work yeah. is the backup for a lot of the different things you see that look like they're cast plaster. They're all based on foam nowadays, mm-hmm. or they're on GFRC, but foam is behind a lot of them. So in the early days, we just carved the foam and made it look what they wanted to. Yeah. So in addition to the actual engineering structural part of it, there's an artistic component to this too, depending on the project, obviously. Yes, and and it would be something that if the architect could draw it, we could probably build it. Hmm. Huh. That's something that honestly I I I didn't put in, you know my my. Uh, inclination or experience with prefab has always been more of you know just a straight box almost yeah. where the artistic side is, is pretty cool and it's something I didn't realize that could but it makes sense I mean why wouldn't you be able to do it right and, and you don't see a whole lot of it because it's going to cost some more money right but when they have something that they seriously want it can be done yeah and because Panther Pride had stores everywhere there was a lot of it right so it became repetitious and I think we probably did 12 stores in Philadelphia area before they ended up with some financial problems of their own, and uh-huh. they are no more. Yeah. They were a division of Food Fair. Okay. I think that was okay. the company yeah. that they were part of. And they're, they're gone. Yeah. yeah. Just not, you don't find any more food fairs. Right. Yeah. Right. It's still an interesting story. I, I like how the art and, and, yeah. and the design come together there, the, the structural part. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So walking through the shop, we, we made our way outside and we saw a mock-up of a solar panel. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> you want to talk about that? <laughs> I can't really speak too much to the solar part of that panel. Okay. We were given a call uh, or an email, I suppose it was, by a solar company from... Canada, mm-hmm. who found our website and asked if we could build panels with their skin on them. And we said sure, so they shipped us some skins, and what you saw was a mock-up okay. of what they would do. And they would be able to duplicate almost any kind of an exterior finish that you want and have us put it on a panel, and mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah. It's a solar wall panel. Wow. Nice. And we'll have pictures of that on the website. Yeah. We'll have pictures. So. Yeah, it looks, it's, it's painted brick and there's windows. And yeah. From far away, it just looks like... looks like another good. panel on yeah. the wall. But yeah. once you get up close, you can tell it's definitely a solar panel. Yeah. So yeah. It's, re- it's really intriguing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. have to... Maybe, hmm, maybe I need that yeah. for the house. Yeah. You know? Uh, that might be kind of cool. Uh, yeah. yeah. Cool. And then from a, from a workforce standpoint, any sort of... Initial feedback or hesitation from the workforce? I would assume they would 
be in favor of it. It's safer. Oh, and... Our workforce is anxious to do whatever we bring them. Okay. They're not. They're not going to shy away from something. Yeah. They. They're people who are looking to work. Yeah. 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 But in a controlled environment, a safe environment, you would. It seems like it's a benefit for everyone. It gets a little hot out there in the summertime, yeah, but yeah. but it uh, it's a good environment. Yeah. It's certainly the better place to be through the winter. Yes. <laughs> Just to say, but it's warm in the winter, right? Yeah. yeah. And dry on those rainy days. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, Jim, I want to thank you for joining us today. This has been really, really intriguing and, and uh, a great conversation. And, and thank you also for having us here and getting the chance to, to see the great facility and, and all the great work that you guys have done. Well, we like to show off when we can. So and you thank should. Thank you. It's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for joining the Building PA Podcast. To stay up to date, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening.